Welcome back to a wild conversation with the Greater Vancouver Zoo's zoologist, Manita Prasad. I'm Chris Coburn. And I'm Jessica Banks. Hi, Manita. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you guys doing? Really good. Really I'm, good. Jess has a story. She is so... I'm so excited to so, tell you this story because oh. uh, we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago about conservation okay. and turtles... And the other week, I was driving into White Rock, and I was going down the road uh, in Aldergrove, like 248th, and this car uh, coming the other way had stopped, and I'm like, why is he getting out of his car? Like, you know, and so he's going behind his car, and he picked up a turtle off the road and moved it to the other side to help it along its journey to wherever it was going, and I totally thought about our conversation the other week. That is awesome. That's exactly what we were talking about. And that's exactly the right thing to do as well, isn't it? That is the exactly right thing to do. It probably was a female looking for a safe place to nest. So he uh, saved some animals there. That's fantastic. And, and it, do you think it was one of a spotted turtle? Or a painted turtle? Paint, a painted uh, one, I mean? Western, it could be because we do have western painted turtles here in Aldergrove. Grove. Right. I think it was, it was a smaller sized turtle. But you could tell I drove by and I was like, that. oh, my God. I was like, turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought about our conversation driving the other way. So it was good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story to hear. Um, today we're talking uh, about uh, the, basically the history of zoos and like zoos in general, because things have certainly changed over the years. And uh, I know, I, even I know this, that way back in the day, um, zoos were more like, private collections of people who are really into these things as opposed to uh, organizations and, and, and places like the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Yeah, exactly. So zoos did start as private collections and they often called them menageries and it often was wealthy individuals who would uh, start these collections. And there's actually evidence of zoos dating far back as 2500 BC, BCE, uh, like uh, in Egypt and Mesopotamia. So they've been around for a very, very long time. There's a whole bunch of different types of zoos as well, isn't there? Yes. So there are several different types of zoos. Uh, A zoo like the Greater Vancouver Zoo would be considered a suburban zoo uh, because we're not quite uh, in a city center. We're just uh, a little bit uh, southeast of it. Uh, but, you know, there are urban zoos, zoos that are actually right in the middle of city centers. There are safari parks, which are more of a drive-through style. Uh, there are game reserves. So I'm thinking more international, like uh, in, in South Africa, large swaths of lands that are reserved uh, in natural habitat for animals that need to be protected. And then, of course, uh, one that people are familiar with, uh, petting zoos, which are usually smaller, more more domestic animals. What about things like the Tiger King Zoo <laughs> and Big Cat Animal Rescue, like the TV shows? <laughs> well, <laughs> obviously those are completely far from what we're talking about. Completely far. So not all zoos are good zoos. Um, there are zoos, like the Greater Vancouver Zoo, that is an accredited facility. Mm -hmm. We have a governing body. We have um, health and welfare guidelines and all sorts of guidelines that we need to uphold and adhere to to ensure that we are of the highest standard. Okay. Um, And I assume that, like Tiger King, those zoos wouldn't be accredited, would they? (laughs) Yeah. I I, I don't know 100% for sure, but I would assume 
assume not. I'm sure there's some sort of regulating bodies in that area, but uh, probably not an AZA accredited facility. Yeah, I think that's just money hungry people who are yeah. using animals for the wrong thing, you know? Did yeah. You, did you watch that show or could, like, could you? <laughs> <laughs> So I I got maybe about 10 minutes into it, and then I just couldn't watch it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I wondered, you know, coming from a standpoint, like, obviously you would have a different view on it than we would, per se, because, I mean, you're a zoologist, so. Yeah. Um, well, I think more so than anything, like, the, a lot of what we do in accredited facilities is try to dispel all the misconceptions surrounding zoos. And then you have uh, different different shows that show something that can very quickly destroy all the hard work we've been doing all these years to to show the science behind what what it is we do yeah yeah okay so let's get off tiger king yeah good thank goodness (laughs) um so the greater vancouver zoo is an accredited zoo and that's extremely important Yeah, we are accredited by CASA, which is Canada's Association for Zoos and Aquariums. Okay. Um, Are are most zoos accredited in Canada? There are about 30 of them across Canada. And how many? Not all, but most. All the major zoos would be accredited either by CASA or AZA, which is the uh, American counterpart of our organization. Okay. Um, So I I don't want to harp on the accredited... thing but what what does that mean in practical application for you guys so we go through an inspection every five years where we have um, a board that comes and it's quite an intensive process it takes about three days for us to go through the entire inspection process and we have a huge list of things that we have to make sure that we are adhering to everything from uh, enclosure maintenance to our veterinary procedures to fencing to um, safe work procedures everything it's 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 quite an intensive process and we do have to also go through a self-accreditation on a yearly basis saying that we are upholding these standards on a yearly basis Mm. why are zoos important like why why are zoos like the greater vancouver zoo important oh well because of all of the great work that we do <laughs> um, uh, we definitely provide homes for injured orphaned or rescued wildlife so you know we we are saving lives here uh, i think there are a lot of misconceptions surrounding where zoo animals come from but a a lot of the animals that we do take are animals that have been injured uh, rehabbed and can't be released to the wild because of of human intervention or or simply because they're orphaned and and have nowhere to go to go back to and and just need the additional hands-on care Uh, i think another really important thing that we do is educate the public that's that's something that's really near and dear to all of our hearts i think every day we strive to Uh, develop a connection between our visitors and the zoo animals and hopefully by developing that connection we can inspire them to do something to help save this species or save the environment that they live in. You are listening to a wild conversation with Greater Vancouver Zoo zoologist Manita Manita Prasad. Oh I've been doing so well with your name. Uh, 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 I'm Chris with uh, uh, Jennifer. Me, Jess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Country 107.1. <laughs> um, another thing that you guys do uh, that's super important is is science. I mean, that that could that be the most important thing? Yeah, I think being able to study animals up close, uh, we observe animal behavior such as uh, mating behavior and nutritional choices, uh, we, and all of those things contribute to the success of the captive breeding program, which increases our productivity. So it helps us rear endangered species. Uh, just like I spoke about um, discovering about the butterflies being more active at night and actually mating in, in the evening as opposed to in the day when we were trying that. So hopefully this year we'll produce a lot more butterfly larvae for the endangered western uh, Chuckered butterfly. Mm-hmm. Is is the goal always to release back into the wild wherever possible? With our conservation programs, yes, definitely. Uh, we want to help populations that are threatened in the wild, and not only just by breeding, but by restoring and repairing habitat. That's a huge part of what we do. What are what are some of the examples of you know species that you would release into the wild, like maybe the butterflies? Yeah, so the Taylor Checker Spot Butterfly, that's one that we release on a yearly basis. The Oregon Spotted Frog, which again is Canada's most endangered amphibian, uh, as well as the Western Painted Turtle. Uh, we've made huge success with, with the turtles, and we're actually seeing turtles that we have released um, starting to breed and nest in the wild. So that's, that's always fantastic. Oh, that's such us. a good sign. And then I witnessed it firsthand. You know, <laughs> yeah. well, not them breeding, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wild conversation with Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Experience the wonders of nature at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Come explore a beautiful open-air park with over 120 acres. Connect with nature and support local conservation efforts. Get closer at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Visit gvzoo.com. We are back with Manita. It is a wild conversation with the Greater Vancouver Zoo on Country 107.1. Now, we were talking about conservation and uh, another aspect of this vision with the Greater Vancouver Zoo and zoos in general is the species survival plan. So I would assume that that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. So the species survival plan is um, a global effort and it promotes sustainability of healthy, genetic, diverse animal populations. So it is a coordinated management effort. Uh, We participate right now in over 10 um, species survival plan or SFP programs, uh, some of which are ringtail lemurs, our red panda, our Amir tiger, um, our some African antelope like our scimitar horned oryx and our adex. Oh, wow. Is, is there a species that would be somewhat local that people would be surprised that are endangered? Yeah, so there is, well, the Western Painted Turtle, that's one of the conservation mm. mm-hmm. projects that we work on. Um, a lot of people, when they see turtles out in the wild, it, <laughs> they're actually seeing an invasive species, which is the red-eared slider, which has the little flash of red along the side of its head. It's, it's a very popular pet species, mm. uh, but unfortunately they live a very long time. And they are not the cleanest animals to take care of. So when people get tired of having them as a pet, have taken to releasing them into our local ponds and lakes, 
And unfortunately, they outcompete our very beautiful Western painted turtle. Yes, that actually happened recently. I think somebody on one of the community pages that I follow in the Valley had found this turtle that they thought was wild, but it had turned out that somebody just went and released it into, you know, a pond that was nearby. Yeah, so that's really unfortunate because the red-eared slider is is quite a hardy species of turtle and does outcompete uh, the western painted turtle, which is absolutely beautiful. If you've ever seen an adult western painted turtle, they have a beautiful bright red plastron, which is the the shell on the underbelly. Okay. And it's not paint. <laughs> it's not painted, but it looks like it. Its face has beautiful um, yellow and red markings on it, so it looks like someone has taken a paintbrush and painted them so prettily. What conservation programs does the Greater Vancouver Zoo participate in? I would imagine there's there's at least a couple. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the in-situ ones, which are the ones that we do um, on-site, are the Oregon Spotted Frog Program. Uh, and then we also participate in the Western Painted Turtle Program uh, because the Pacific Coast population of Western turtles are endangered. Um, most uh, factors that contribute to its decline are um, habitat loss, introduction of invasive species, not only animal species like the red-eared slider, but uh, reed canary grass, which alters the shoreline and it destroys nesting beaches for these turtles, uh, high road mortality, um, and unfortunately some of them are taken from the wild uh, to be included in, in the pet trade. Oh, gosh. How, what are some ways that people um, can kind of protect them? Well, just your general conservation stuff, like protecting wetlands is the most important thing. Um, if you see a turtle that's crossing the road, help it across the mm-hmm. road. It, uh, usually when you see turtles crossing the road, it's often a female looking for an appropriate place to nest. So they know the direction that they're going in. Uh, you just need to stop and help them across the road, place them gently in the direction that they're going in, but just get them out of harm's way. Uh, the western painted turtle also likes to nest um, on sandy beaches, which also happen to be very high human use areas. Right. Uh, so just being mindful that like, when you do go to the beach or like boat launches or parking lots, that there there might be other animals in there that are utilizing that space as well. Great information. That's the no, western painted turtle. Obviously, that's a freshwater. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are, are there any saltwater? I mean, other than you know sea turtles, are there are there any saltwater turtles? Yeah, so the only salt, well, yeah, it would only be sea turtles. Uh, The Western Painted Turtle is the actual only freshwater turtle remaining in BC. We used to have the pond turtle, but that has long since been extirpated. Okay. I I remember when we used to take our kids to Granville Island. There, Mm. there, there There was, you know, that by the... Kind of by like where the water park was. Yeah, where the water there's park a, there's was. There's a, a pond in there. Yeah, and there was always turtles. Are you familiar with those that that area? Because there's always yeah. turtles there. Are those what? snapping yeah. turtles? No, those would be uh, red-eared sliders. Oh, okay. Oh, and they got there like illegally. Yes, most likely. <laughs> <sighs> Nobody checked their ID. Someone once told me they're snapping turtles. Maybe I got a little close and they got worried and they're like, be careful, <laughs> they're snapping turtles. Well, they are quite uh, defensive, so they do give a, a good bite. But snapping turtles get huge. Uh, right. We don't have any of those in BC. Oh, we don't. Anyway. Oh, okay. No, we don't. That's no. Uh, more Ontario. 
Oh, oh yes, okay. those Ontario snapping turtles, uh, yeah. I tell you. Center of the universe turtles. <laughs> um, and also, you've got TCB as an acronym here. Did what's yeah, that? Yeah, that's our Taylor's checkered spot butterfly. So oh. it's the first uh, insect conservation project that we're working on, and it's relatively new to the zoo. Um, and they're an endangered species that was thought to be extirpated from Canada until it was spotted on Denman Island in 2005. So there are actually uh, only 15 locations in the world where um, populations continue to decline. So our recovery efforts are being concentrated on habitat enhancement, monitoring population trends, and creating habitat. This so we is- actually breed um, and rear butterflies for release. Well, we are actually we don't release adult butterflies because the adult butterfly life stage is not very long. It's only a couple of weeks. Um, but we do release larvae back into the wild. This is a wild conversation with Manita from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. We're talking conservation and uh, lots of other stuff. So how does one identify one of those butterflies? Like if we, I mean, we see butterflies all the time, like monarchs or those white butterflies that are pretty standard. But if someone were to see one of these, what are they looking for? So it does look quite similar to a monarch. There are a lot of, um, it's basically orange, white, and black. Uh, but it's quite a bit, it's a little bit smaller. So it's, like, butterflies are tough to identify unless you're an insect person and you really know your butterflies. <laughs> or you see it's, those ones with the giant eyes on their wings, or the, the ones that look like they have eyes on their wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are from South America. Those don't occur here. But. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, any, any exciting updates from, from the field of conservation? What's going on, like, right now? Yeah, so... Currently, for the Oregon Spotted Frog Program, we have just under a 1,000 tadpoles that we're rearing this year. Um, And we've just actually microchipped and released about 200 frogs that were overwintered from last year. Uh, And we retained a small population, about 30 individuals, for our captive breeding program. So very exciting news for the Oregon Spotted Frogs. Um, As far as butterflies go... um, we have about 100 butterflies that are breeding on site. Uh, we had our first eggs laid over winter. Um, we recently released 750 larvae into the wild to a new population on Hornby Island. And the exciting news with that is the larvae have actually morphed in the wild, and we've seen adult butterflies flying around. So that is, that's a, a huge <laughs> Um, exciting news for our, our recovery team for the butterflies. And and how does that impact the environment? Having like we know how you know having honeybees around and yep. you know pollinators. How, how does how does it work with butterflies? Why is it important? Yeah, so butterflies are also really important pollinators. Uh, really interesting thing about the Taylor checker spot butterfly is what we've noticed uh, just this year in the trends they tend to breed a lot later in the evenings, (laughs) which is something that we only recently discovered. So you can imagine we have a biologist who sits there, puts butterflies together, and spends their entire day watching to see if they mate or not. (laughs) This is someone's actual job. Oh, that doesn't sound so bad. (laughs) How do you apply? (laughs) That sounds so weird, but... So, but just by chance, she happened to discover that breeding activity is a lot higher in the evening than it was during the day. So it's really like 
It really is an exact science. You you wait for the perfect day where it's not too windy. The sun comes out, and then it's like, oh, the the conditions are perfect. Let's put these butterflies together, and then just sit and watch to see if they they mate, and hopefully we'll see some eggs from them. That is interesting. This is a wild conversation with Manita from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Uh, so you're open. What are your socials so people can check you out before they check you out? GVZoo.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Excellent. Uh, thanks for this again, Manita. Yes. And we will talk again next week. Excellent. I look forward to it.